P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Yeah, this should be like kind of a rambling thing. Yeah. And that gets edited. It's just, I mean, we're not really used to being on microphones or headsets no. that we have. I mean, the other movies will be easier because we like drop yeah. a quote. But this is it. This is it. We, are, you, I don't want my You're phone. on your phone? No, it's it, our first episode and you're going back onto your phone? This is where I left my notes. Oh my god. 21st century man. But we're here. We finally got our acts together, unlike our film. But. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now officially nobody's going to listen to us. Yeah, but we've got a podcast. Yep, somebody gave us microphones. Yeah, Target for like 30 bucks a piece or something like that. You ready to do this? Yep, here we go. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let him wreck! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. Why don't you have some fun? Fun, fun. Tommy, that's a pay thing. Wherever she is, I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up! Hey, Hoff fans, welcome to this week's edition of the PSI Love Hoffman podcast our love letter to the remarkable career of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Kyle Reinfried. We're always home, we're always uncool, and we're always ready to talk great movies. That was uh, that was funny to listen to. Yeah, listen to. that was so young, so naive. <laughs> uh, I don't know, has much changed? <laughs> Probably not. So, if you don't know what the, our cold open today was, it was actually the first opening we ever had on this podcast. Yeah. Episode 1. Was there a big reason? I mean, I listen to podcasts. I like a good cold open. What what made us decide to go with a cold open? Uh, what good... people love about this podcast, the technical aspects. Yeah. I don't know, just format. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was fun. We yeah. we like to chat because the conversation starts way before we press record and the conversation doesn't end. It's true. After we press stop. So maybe that's why. Speaking of triple bogey in a par five hole, that was a film you hadn't seen, I hadn't seen. No, some guy Amos Poe. <laughs> oh, we sound uh, like jackasses. God, me in particular, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's, we, that's we, easy we, enough. It's always my mo. Um, we kind of made like uh, at least I made Teletubby noises. <laughs> but uh, Teletubbies. Uh, does anyone? Does any any kids know what those are anymore? I, I doubt it. I and mean, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. But um, so today's episode, we're back. Not a film again. Sorry. Kind of, I guess, biding time for our special live event next week. Yeah, this is a nice little, you know, trip down memory lane. Yeah, so that live event, April 21st, Saturday, Yeah. 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., Gold Sounds in Brooklyn, look it up, we'll Bushwick, be there. Bushwick, Hipster Central. Sure. <laughs> but Brooklyn, New York, if you're in the area, stop by, we definitely want to hear from you, we definitely want to see you in the flesh, and we'll be recording that episode then. But between that time and this time, we're going to have a, like a little clip show, like an old-fashioned sitcom clip show, and kind of go through some moments we picked out that, I don't know, we decided for yeah, we whatever reason. Yeah, we and dear, and guests we've enjoyed, and movies we've enjoyed. And- yeah, just, just things we want to rehash, if you will. We don't want to let go, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Triple Bogan, a part five hole, the first 
film we talk about, Philip Hoffman's first film. Yeah, he's only in it for like a minute. But it, you know, it started the Hoffman film revolution. So yeah. why don't we play a clip from that episode? I start cracking up. I love at the end. Hey, good luck with the movie. <laughs> like it's just. I mean, it's right. classic Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, it's, it's just, just people. This was the first like on you know like yeah okay you had the law and order but this is a film this is a master of his craft just at the beginning you just witnessed like a birth of sorts and i'm not trying to be overly dramatic about it but that was just like i i loved it it was minimal which you know the first thing his first project ever was a start in or whatever but that's what it was and i love it it was just such a great you had right away it just has that laugh and that smile he had, yeah, it just it, it's it's like a warm but like uh, not sinister, but like Eddie Haskell, like <laughs> you know, like just something mis- mischievous. I think we'll see this character a lot. Oh yeah, no, it, it it reminds me of other characters right away. This is like his buddy character, uh, his. <laughs> Yeah, not, not in, again, and I don't mean like no. All, you've got that in all positive way. No, you've got your along came Polly's, and then you have your talented Mr. Ripley's. This is a little bit closer to like talented Mr. Ripley, maybe yeah, because they're also on a boat. I don't know. Okay, maybe, <laughs> but, but uh, like it's this is his. It's like that old thing that people say they're you know they're no small parts, just small actors. Yeah, maybe maybe it's hindsight, but I feel like if we just had seen this movie in 1991, he would have stood out. So yeah, as we alluded to before, um, we were kind of ignorant about who Amos Poe was. But once, you know, you you and I had both seen that film, uh, Alphabet City. Yes. And he, he, you know, Triple Bogey on a Par 5 Hole was not a bad film. It was actually a pretty good film. No, we really um, really enjoyed it. I think we watched it via YouTube. Sorry, Amos, but that's how it was available. Uh, And so... By the way, check it out. It, <laughs> uh, you definitely should. And yeah, I mean, it was a, it's an it's a cool movie. And again, he's in it for a little over a minute, but just right there, he's charismatic. I I wish that he. I think we said uh, that we want we wish he that he was the son, and we could have seen him more in the movie out of like the you know the three children, and. I forget exactly how it transpired. I think that you found his information somewhere, Brian, and we reached out to Amos Poe. It doesn't hurt to email someone and just see what's up. Yeah, and he got back to us, and we were just so excited. I mean, this is the more we learned about him, and I was really ashamed how little I knew about Amos Poe because of his big uh, just part in the no-wave film movement of the 70s and Lower East Side and just New York in general, and just this guy's film catalog is amazing, and his insight towards uh, Phil, and I mean, I'm calling him, he calls him Phil, I shouldn't call him Phil, (laughs) but yeah, so let's just, uh, we'll play a clip of just uh, Amos talking about Phil. I think from around Alphabet City, which is I think when I met Davey and Littlefield, Every film I'd done, not that many, I always use one of her clients. And then, and and I like her, and she really knew up-and-coming actors that I wasn't aware of sometimes, all the time. And she said, you got to see this guy. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking I might sign him. Uh, I want to get your opinion. That's awesome. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I'll go with you. And we went down uh, town, I think it was... At the home theater, it was um, 
a series of short one acts that a bunch of uh, actors were doing, mm-hmm. and they were all kind of acting in each other's little pieces. And she said, well, his name is Phil Hoffman, uh, so I want, I want you to see him. And the theme of the, the one acts was racism. So we're watching this thing, and, you know, no, nothing is blowing me away. And it's a small stage, probably about 10 feet by about maybe 5 feet deep, very small. And it's probably maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 seats. Okay. Very small. And we're sitting in, like, the second row, center stage. And out comes this blonde-haired guy <laughs> with this blonde-haired actress and the scene is they've just come out of a movie it's an eddie murphy film and phil wrote this piece oh cool wow. cool That's awesome and acting in it and he and the the dialogue goes something like this he turns to the girlfriend and they're like you know still eating popcorn and he says how'd you like the movie and she goes oh man i love the movie and he looks at her and he goes oh you did yeah, I love this movie. I love Eddie Murphy. He's so great. And he goes, you love Eddie Murphy? She goes, yeah, I mean, the guy's just the greatest. He's the greatest? And you could feel the electricity happening. Oh, wow. yeah. Like she's in one world, he's in another yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. But you don't quite, what? what's happening here? And he goes, what do you love about Eddie Murphy? She goes, what do you mean? Isn't he the funniest guy you've ever seen? I mean, the guy cracks me up. He cracks you up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he totally just blows me away. He blows you away. <laughs> wow. What is the matter with you? No, I'm just trying to get to, like, why you like Eddie Murphy. Well, everybody loves Eddie Murphy. What are you talking about? Well, I wouldn't say everybody loves Eddie Murphy. What is wrong with you? Well, I'm just wondering if... If you love Eddie Murphy because he's black. What are you, are you talking about? I mean, do you love him because he's black and black men have big cocks and I have a small cock? Is that what you're talking oh, about? Because wow. if you do... And he starts going like on a... Tirade. A tirade. That's... They're just so insane. And it just starts from very low yeah, yeah. to like this incendiary... Like, and I, the girl who played yeah. it, who's also very good... She's like in such shock. She's trembling and tears are coming. Wow, wow. And the more she cries and the more vulnerable she is, the more he gets to yeah. the point where you think he's going to, you know, like wow, verbally yeah. kill her. Oh, wow, my God. And then maybe even physically kill her. And then he just walks off wow. and she's up on the stage trembling. Jeez, talk about like. Yeah, can't you picture that though? No, I was, I was, I was, yeah. he- like, I was like, I, I was, I was hearing it, like, I, I was hearing his voice. You know, I was just even picturing like his voice from like your film, like the earliest, like known, like you know, like you know, he always had that great. I mean, just range, just in, ge- I mean, as far as his acting, but this, just even the, vo- the vocal, range, the vocals, yeah. just like some of the mm-hmm. most, just like intimate, soft spoken. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets to that mm-hmm. crescendo. Mm-hmm. in his ways and I could just oh that's yeah he tapped into like this character's insanity and anger and fear and hate and yeah and you know sexuality in a way that was so organic and so interiorly intense and the whole audience it wasn't just me 
because I, I could feel the whole... I was like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know, it was just... Sh- I don't even remember the rest of the plays. Uh-huh. Because... <laughs> wow. And I don't think anybody else did either. Yeah. Because it was so intense that to follow that would have been like, you know, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki going with a BB gun. It was like that volatile. And so I just turned to David and I just said, sign him. And I got to figure out a way to use him Absolutely. in this film. So then I wrote this little part just because I wanted it to be around him. And then when we met him outside, he was just like the nicest guy. And <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Oh, that yeah. was interesting. Really nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? What happened there? Oh, yeah, no, I was just, you know, I was just mucking around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So you should definitely check out that full episode because it's definitely one of the highlights. Certainly one of the highlights of this podcast. But oh, it's just know. one of my pride and joys in general. In yeah, life. <laughs> it was awesome. This guy is just like Amos Poe had such an awesome film knowledge. And we don't just talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman here. Most of it's about Philip Seymour Hoffman, but just we go into his history and his career. Yeah, his career. Yeah, and it's a really cool episode. It's episode thirty-three. If you guys want to like look back and check it out, highly suggest you do that. So one of the other earlier, uh, I guess. Big films for Hoffman. <laughs> F5, baby. <laughs> was uh, Twister. That was a film that a lot of people first recognized him in as Dustin Davis, a.k.a. Dusty. The sucks up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of our first... That was, at the time, and might still be, one of our longest episodes. Definitely in the longest top five. Longest episodes, and also the first episode we had two guests on. Yes, uh, uh, a four-person mega... 90s blockbuster twister episode <laughs> and our guests were Whit Leyenberger and John Harden yes. one, one of the the favorites of our program and and both of whom returned John for Capote and Whit for Senec the Key New York yep woohoo landed it and this was a really fun episode we talked for hours like it, I, like you said we said it was long but it was even longer like just chatting about twister that day yeah it's just a, it's a fun 90s blockbuster you know, I think kind of the, you know, the bringing back of the disaster films. Like we grew up on it. Wit talks about how he had it on Laserdisc. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just a fun movie, fun conversation. We'll play a little bit of it for you now. What is so enjoyable about Dusty is because he doesn't have to carry the plot. Oh, totally, yeah. Which gives him so much more room. Like when they throw him into the scenes with the, uh, like, you know, the very uptight or, you know, put together fiance character. Loser! Clearly, clearly just for comedic effect <laughs> and to, like, show, the, like, the disparity between these two worlds that Bill Paxton's being pulled between. The suck um, zone. The suck zone. Exactly, yep. yeah. The suck zone. Point basically at which the twister sucks you up. And that's not that technical term for it, obviously, but Hi. But but even drunker or more stoned than that. <laughs> the suck Yeah. Explains it in this it's actually what it really is is just like 
bleached out in the sun. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, just been yeah, out yeah, yeah, in the yeah, sun yeah. forever, and he's got Poor this fair sweat on. man is just yeah, yeah, out just, there. And, oh. He's just so doesn't, lazy. He doesn't, like, he doesn't even have eyebrows in this film. Like, they're just gone. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't Bill say to him, like, oh, go, you know, like, take Melissa and, you know, like, entertain her? It's just like, he just does, like, this little skip, like, this little, like, all right. He says, <laughs> no, no. explain why you are the, the way, way you, you are. are. And, they, like, and it pans back to them. They're both wearing these weird sunglasses and yeah. drinking out of funny straws. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just imagine he's got like a little margarita machine or yeah, something. Man, his, like making his daiquiris. Are you kidding me? And that, dude, that truck, I want to be in the freaking barn burner yeah. so oh, hard. What a great, wait, yeah. wait, why, why, does, why does everyone have their own car here? Yeah, is, there's it, like, is it explained? Like even the other team has I guess ever, it's just, just always... one person per minivan except like the lead. Well, because okay, here's the deal: the barn burger, that thing, you know, that thing is hot box twenty four seven. He's like and, the only one in and, that, and he's the only one who could be straight to drive afterwards, you know. And so it's like everybody else is like, "All right, Dusty, you do you back there, buddy. You play your music through a loudspeaker, which magically puts the music into everyone else's car." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. played a little uh, despite deep, deep purple child of time. Yeah, d- despite like how the Doppler effect actually works in a vehicle, but like that's cool. You know, oh man! Oh. He's just screaming out the window. Woo! You have you that like, guy, hey guys, right? hey guys, are you listening? Are you listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah Dusty, we're listening. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's portrayal of Dusty, as he said, that actually got a nomination in our Hoffy Awards. Ooh, the coveted Hoffy Awards, which you should be still and can, you know can be voting on right now. The ballot is still open. It's going to be so, open until the 21st. Go on our Facebook page, PSI Love Hoffman, and vote, 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 because we want your votes, and we want a true a true cross-section of the Hoffman universe. Yeah, we're going to read at the, at the live event, we're going to read what... Brian's going to read what he voted for, what I voted for, and then the winner, which is going to be, you know, accumulated from all of your votes. So Dustin, Dustin Davis. Dustin. Dusty. <laughs> yeah, so Dusty <laughs> is actually nominated, as we said, for one of these Hoffy Awards, and he's nominated for Favorite Comedic Performance, and his line actually is nominated. So one two Hoffies. Yes. One, but two. Yes. Two for Dusty. And it's the suck zone. Ah, it's a great line. So you can you can vote for Dusty twice here. Another uh another big nomination, I guess we could say, is uh Scotty J from Boogie Nights. Uh Scotty J is just always gonna hold such a sweet little spot in my heart. He's just I, I I don't. We we should have. I I know we had like his archetype. Uh, you know that's like a category. Yeah, archetype. I feel yeah. like we should have just even had a category for like most even vulnerable characters, <laughs> just because of the vulnerability that. Well, that's like almost every Hoffman character. I know. So. I mean, he could have gone in Broken Man. You know, it could have fit there, in right? What? Broken Man. Oh, Broken Man. I thought you said in a Broken Man. I'm like, what's this, what's this mystery Philip Seymour Hoffman movie? I've missed a Broken Man. That, that sounds like a cool Philip Seymour Hoffman film. But yeah, Scotty J. So Scotty J is uh, nominated for Favorite Character, mm-hmm. as well as Favorite Comedic Performance, okay. because it's kind of a funny performance. Yeah. Like, no, he's, he's awkward and yeah. And Favorite Supporting Performance, and Best Moment for the Scotty J 
you know, <sighs> fucking idiot yeah. car scene. I'm a fucking ah. So so oh. a lot, Scotty J is represented a lot in our Hoffy Awards. Awesome. And Boogie Nights is another film that a lot of people first recognized him in. Yeah, and this was this is also at the end of what we dubbed Act One, and our guest on the episode was uh, Zach Bressler. Uh, a uh, friend of mine, he was uh, he's kind of like my mentor, met him when I was in college, and uh, he works in the industry as well, uh, teaches some film classes. It was just really fun chatting with him and yeah, so, talking yeah, let's, about Scotty J. Let's play a clip from that episode for sure. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Every time I watch that, it's just I don't know. I've I've definitely had a moment I've that I've just been like saying to myself, Oh you're like maybe not like in tears or whatever, but just like, Oh you're you're a fucking idiot and just that he puts everything out there. No, like, I mean we've all been and, vulnerable like that. Yeah. If you say you haven't been vulnerable like that, you're sociopath or an asshole, you know? Yeah. Like just you're right, like he's just like fucking idiot. Like just uh, I mean, what, what was that when you saw that? I mean, th- this is clearly, I mean, yeah, I, it was heartbreaking. It was, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. that's there, a great word this, for it, uncomfortable. This film, that, that that's a, another brilliant thing about the film is that there's there, we said it's funny as hell. Yeah, and then there's these moments that are just so uncomfortable. Yeah, like, like almost like cringe. So so it 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 brings up so many different emotions during this, you know. During the the time period of the film, I don't know exactly how long it is. That's where I would say, is it two and a half or something like that. Yeah, right. yeah. So like during, do you have the time? Any time? No, all I know that it was originally three hundred pages, and he brought it down to one eighty. So I guess if you want to go, it's like, a it's minute, like two hours per page. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, but but for for the the you know the two and a half three hours that the film is. Yeah, you, you're going. There's so many emotions going on. You're you're getting your your heart pulled in different ways and it's and this scene is just like yeah well scotty scotty's definitely like the character that we get his low moment low moment first yeah Yeah. because it's before the the suicide so it's like the suicide is kind of like boom that's and that's the 1980 the countdown to 1980 is happening when when that happens and that's where we go into everyone's lows in the 80s and yeah, Scotty J's the, he's he kicks it off with that. That's and, and you touched on this before. We don't get too many Scotty J scenes, but you feel for him, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel for yeah, him. Yeah, this is his last big scene and we're only like halfway through the movie. Yep. Scotty J, I know I voted for him a, a few times. Hey, you can't reveal for what? I'm just saying a few times. Just I'm not saying to, for what? Don't influence the votes. It's not it's, <laughs> it's not influence. It's like, oh well, I need to vote for this guy because Kyle did. I that's I think if anything, people are gonna vote the opposite. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> Another uh, nominated performance, you could say, or even just a movie that I hadn't seen, you'd seen, and. Honestly, it was a very fun episode to record. Yes. Was uh, Rusty for Flawless. Oh, my God. Well, that's just a performance in general, Rusty. And, I I mean, so Phil Seymour Hoffman, he plays a drag queen and is stars in the movie with Robert De Niro. And on that episode, we had uh, drag queen host of Drag Bingo, uh, Goldie Locks and Ana Louise. 
Yeah, no, and th- they were loads of fun, and it, it was a really good episode. Some fun insight to their, like, oh my god, I recognize, you know, this person from, the, you know, the drag scene, and they still host events, or... It's pretty co- cool stuff. Yeah, so let's play a clip from that episode. Oh, I mean, right off the bat, what I mean, his pageantry, his voice, the way he's... I just think he's great. I love the way he holds the microphone. I don't know why it's so awkward to it's, me, but I think it's very funny. And, like... It's. I, I feel like that's very real. If I yeah. went to a drag show, I, yeah, him pulling the guy on stage and asking inappropriate questions. Yeah, I mean, I think silly. it's totally believable. I mean, I would say like, I, it, this looks like it was just filmed like at a bar in the nineties. Right. So he's a convincing drag queen to you. I I think yeah, for the nineties, for the nineties, yeah. he look he seems pretty real. Now it's all about looking like a Kardashian is very in style. Yeah, gotcha. But I think. That's, At the time, I think it's pretty classic drag queen. I think they captured like the essence of like the gay sort of, and the drag queen in the '90s in New York. The, the only glad to hear that thing yeah. is like when he's not performing, and then when he's in his apartment teaching, uh, wait, whatever, and not and not performing. There's not much of a, like a personality difference. Yeah, like, he's not like a drag persona personality. It's the same. I see. Okay. Which is interesting. Which is to pretty me. draggy. Actually. Which is pretty draggy, I guess, too. Yeah. So Rusty nominated for best leading character okay. or best leading performance by yes. Philip Smirhoffen. I should say these award categories correctly. <laughs> and as well as best voice, because that's it's. But the best voice accent thing is not like a mocking thing. It's like you know Hoffman. He's got like a husky voice usually. Yeah, he's just got that very talks like this normal. So it's great when he can manipulate his voice to be something else. And he and does it very well in like a handful of roles. I mean, you know, it's flawless vo- certainly it, being one yeah, of them. And his voice is just always important to all of his roles. But yeah, in that category, what there's also obviously like Capote and uh, Max from Mary and Max. They're just you know. The and Gunther Buckman. Gunther Buckman. <laughs> from Hamburg. Or from Germany, but it's in Hamburg. Yeah, Most Wanted Man. So, the next film we're going to, I guess, play a clip for you is one that every time I watch is just awesome. Um, well, this is, this is just a tentpole film in the podcast, in the reason we started it. I think in just... Again, in general, as far as our generation and like movies that we watched, and I mean, hey, come on, stay on cool comes from it, and it's just, it's I'm not trying trying to again persuade anyone <laughs> in any kind of way, but it's just like it's kind of the ultimate mentor role, and uh, just again a real life character as well. Lester Bangs, and so yeah, Lester Bangs, almost famous. Great mustache, by the way. Uh, and it, oh my god! Ugh. And this was the first time we did a, li- a Facebook Live episode. Yes, we were live Facebook in Chicago, kind of randomly. But uh, let's play a clip from this episode. Jim Morrison? He's a drunken buffoon posing as a poet. I like the doors. Ah, give me the guess who? Come on, they got the courage to be drunken buffoons, which makes them poetic. It's quite an honor to have the world's greatest rock critic yes. and editor of Cream Magazine back no. home in San Diego for a few days, Lester Banks. Live American woman. Have you ever the most brilliant piece of gobbledygook ever? Uh, give me some white light, white heat. Iggy Pop! Amen! 
Oh, I just put this on. This isn't on your playlist Lester, either. I just think it's a little bit early for that. Not for me. Okay, well, that was Lester Bangs. This is Alice Wisdom, and here's Nikki Pop. People like that, like, what an introduction to a character. I don't even know, like, what to say about it. Like, I'm just happy. Like, I'm happy that I live in a world where that exists. Yeah, I mean, I love the girls Jim Morris and a drunken buffoon. I'm very curious as to, you know, so obvi- number one, plenty of stuff on the real Lester Banks. Number two, Cameron Crowe already had, like, an intimate relationship with music and journalism of that time. I'm very curious, and I and this isn't, I'm not leading to, like, I read it somewhere or anything, just how much, like, is almost, like, based off of direct quotes or just... Just like having a feeling like that guy would have said that. Like I'm, I'm just like just since he's playing a true guy, I feel like there's got to be a little something. Well, I've that read he... some of his writing, and mm-hmm. it's so similar to uh, what they're saying. Yeah, I'm just very curious if he like, if like the Jim Morrison. I'm not saying it's verbatim, but if at one point he just like wrote down like Jim Morrison's a drunken buffoon or something. I wouldn't. Or like obviously <laughs> like maybe he had like a like. Did you ever see a picture of him in a Guess Who shirt? Or just, you know, like, if you wrote, like, things about them. I'm just very, you know... It seems, like, pretty accurate. Yeah. I can't say 100% authenticity that whatever everything he says is yeah. what that guy said, Lester. But... But Phyllis Jorhoffman, I mean, he oh sells it. Like, if you watch, we'll post, we'll post some, like, videos. This guy's a... Think, about, think about what this guy's saying, too. He's, like, a hipster god. Yeah. You know? Like the whole thing, like like you said, Jim Morrison, he thinks he's a poet, but the guess who, the, the, the courage to be drunken buffoons, <laughs> and that makes them poetic. Oh, I mean, just, the, and then we get, like, there's that voice of his, that classic Phil Schumer-Hoffman voice, and then, the, again, I imitated the hand gestures, like, he's just very, he's all over the place, but, like all right there at the same time, if that makes sense. Oh my god. I mean, he just, it's just, I love him perusing the albums, just, like, the the woman DJ, like, trying to keep him, like, a little, like, holding onto the chain, and she's like, <laughs> you can't do that. Because like, he's just, he's just, he's in the studio, and he's just, he, acting-wise, he's using so much of his body into this character, like, just how he picks up the record, and just, like... And I'll say this, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Pulls the stash off. Yeah, I I, I think he had a stash in um, well, money for nothing with John Cusack. I think so, yeah. But pulls the stash off. Looks good. He could be a stash man, you know. He could be a stash man. <laughs> so Lester Bangs, nominated for a bunch of stuff. You said in the archetype mentor. He's also best supporting character. The line too uncool is nominated. It's just stash. <laughs> yes, mustache. And we'll get into the mustache a little later. That's the last category I want to preview mustache. on this show because it might be the most hotly contested or <laughs> or you know. That's the one everyone's waiting for. Best talk oh mustache. My God, yeah. So we'll I want an in depth analysis later. And we're not gonna try to we're trying not to tip our hand. We're just gonna kind of describe the mustaches later. So you wanna stick around for that. The next film, Kyle. Yeah. Controversial, controversial because a lot Make of people. It rain. A lot of Let people, it rain. <laughs> Let it rain. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do not like this <clears throat> film. And again, we're just we're. There are so many other films in between here. <clears throat> we would love to do a, like a seven-hour clip show, but you know, we just we had to discriminate a little and pick some of just highlight films. And this is one of them for you. I liked it too, but this is something you really carried on your back and that's Along Came Polly yeah I'd say the ones that I carry the most are Along Came Polly and The Master that's pretty fair to say so much so that Along Came Polly 
gets a nomination for Best Hoffman Film, which he suggested. Yeah. <laughs> it's a comedy. It's a silly comedy. But you cannot deny that the character of Sandy Lyle, played by our man Philip Seymour Hoffman, is not just a comedic, amazing... Ah, I don't even know how to describe it. So good. Uh, Sandy Lyle... You know what? We were kind of saying this in the, in the recap episode. And, I mean, I'll go back to... I mean, we might have said it in the recap episode for Act 2, but we were then discussing in Act 3 recap what we would have wanted him to continue on to. If any way whatsoever, I would have loved to have seen... Imagine, like, an HBO... Uh, then, like, finally, there's, like, a documentary finally made on Sandy Lyle. He's trying to get done. That would just be, like... So you're advocating the return of Sandy Lyle somehow? If, if... Of course, of course, yes. That would have been fun to see. Sandy Lyle gets a nomination as favorite comedic performance and also favorite character. It's going to be... That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. But uh, let's let's play clips from that episode. With yeah. Michael Manzi Michael was on. Michael Manzi, one of the co-creators. If you don't know that name already, shame <laughs> on But yeah. Yes, okay. one of the co-creators of Cage Club. That's cageclub.me. Cageclub.me. Dot M. E. Yeah. So let's. Dot e. <laughs> let's play a clip from that episode where Kyle has a lot of fun. Ah, delight. I read a review that said. This line makes the character because he could have totally played this like comedy and like funny. the delivery. Do you he's, hear the yeah, nervousness? Yeah, yeah. He's terrified of what he, just it's, occurred. It's yeah. honest. Shit came out. Almost, it's I almost like, feel like it's this, method. Like he no. really shit his pants. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he he had himself glued oh. to a chair in Red Dragon. Now he is <laughs> because just, like sharded a bit. I I mean oh. it's I it's so believable. It's and amazing. It just, it's the most honest so, moment in the whole he movie. So honest, clo- exactly. He gets so close to him. It's the most honest be- be- before just pretty much like the end when he has his revelation because of Ruben's father. But this is, and that's why I think it almost he is also terrified because it's such as vulnerability that I think it Keyword. brings him yeah. back down yep. to realizing I'm not the stupors. Like, uh, all right, really stupid tangent right now, but <laughs> the movie, the interview. And, you know, Kim Jong-un, like, okay. in that, okay. they say, like, oh, he doesn't defecate, like, he doesn't pee or poo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, he th- because then the whole thing is, like, right, he thinks he's, he's God and that yeah, whole thing. kingly. Cut, go to dude, this. W- he thinks that he is just, like, uh, so honestly, uh-huh. that little shard was- has reminded him, oh, he's just a kid from the 80s that played a bagpipe. You have, I was just going to go to yeah. the same place. Like, you know, you know the book Everyone Poops? Yep. <laughs> exactly. Like the Queen yeah. of England takes a shit every yeah. day. You know what I mean? And it drags you back down. It's the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. It makes it realize yeah. he's no better than that Everyone, person yeah. or that person. Super, and like, that person, they're all probably better than him. Poop. Right. Because at this moment, poop. he actually sharded his yeah. pants and everyone else could keep it together. It, it's, it's. Wish I could have seen this movie in Smell O Vision. <laughs> <laughs> Called John but, Waters. And like, Kyle, you, you said vulnerability. This is something we always say about him as an actor. Yeah. His honesty and a vulnerability on screen. Yeah. You, when you do a dumb <laughs> comedy like this... Sorry, we, again, we have the film out in the background. Just look at that outfit. The gut hanging out. This is when he's fat. The gut yeah. hanging out of his... It, just when he was in, It's when, he, when they were in uh, Sandy's apartment. So, it's just like, yeah, it's perfect. When you do a dumb comedy like this, again, so easy to mail it in. Especially yeah. if you're an actor, you're up and coming, you have like cool things coming up. He doesn't do that, and no. he takes it seriously. And again, we're talking about sharding. We're talking about a freaking uh, sharding line yeah. as one of the most honest 
line. But that's like the only way. I, uh, I, have. I, have. I have. I have. I have. All right. We're now we're going into tangents. What were you gonna say? No, it's not. It's no, just going well, to the poopy. <laughs> that that made me forget what I was gonna say. Oh, I'm but sorry. that's okay. No vulnerability. Phoning it in, mailing it in. Kyle once again had to be the star of this show. <laughs> I just thought it was a valuable question. It's okay. Mike Manzi has has a has an intelligent point. I can't you remember. Have a short <laughs> Sandy Lyle. Uh, oh, Sandy oh, Lyle. no, but like, okay, so what I feel like is that to him, it doesn't, it's not a comedy. It doesn't matter. It's not, he's not playing it like a comedy. He's playing it as if this is just a character in a drama and he's got serious neurosis yeah. and wow. he's got issues. And, I love that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's not like he would play this any differently if there was, uh, if this was a, um, you know, uh, if Ben Stiller was addicted to heroin in like Permanent Midnight, and this was his best friend, I feel like he'd be giving the same performance. I, well, it's I the character, like, it's the person it's that he's cutting really... out Sandy's scenes and take out like silly music moments and put it together as a short film. And yeah, I, I want to see what that that would be amazing. I, I think that's a great, great point you just yeah. made. I think that is totally. You're right. I don't think it changes. I don't think he cares about not, when I say cares. I don't think no, it matters I, to him who the director is. Yeah, I don't think it matters to him what genre it mm-hmm. is. This is hey, going back to what even Amos was sharing. Hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think find the essence of the head. person yeah. of the character. And it's just like I'm like this is my <laughs> role. Yes, <laughs> I, I am playing I this character. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you write this in a Vietnam War movie as like out of place as it is, and he yeah. probably wouldn't do it because like it's very <laughs> out of place. But like he's but, like, still this, playing. It if the same this way. was the character, this is how it would come out. Yeah, and at the same time, what was your sharding experience? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just remembering now that like we we started watching unused footage or whatever, or you know like deleted scenes. Yeah, and I almost like passed out. You were losing it. My, you were, I turned your, your eyes like were a tearing nice up. Jersey tomato, so red. <laughs> and that movie, his his performance, his performance. So maybe I was a little. Uh, the, the the you know the list is there you know as far as, <laughs> but it's his his he makes that movie I mean Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston are very good Hank Azaria Alec Baldwin it's a great comedic movie no, if you if no, you want to if you want to hear Kyle's love for that film yeah go listen to our Long Came Polly episode it's one of one of our more fun episodes for sure I think so yeah some might argue it's more fun than the film I'm not one of those you know <laughs> I am a Long Came Polly fan loyalist loyalist yeah. yeah yeah i'm not like a hater you'll certainly see that there but i don't think it ever deserves hate some people hate it i know that and some I, people that's, hate it. that's the that's the silliest thing i'm not i'm never going to tell someone you have to like this movie it's art it's subjective fine but like that's just that movie doesn't deserve to be receive any hate no certainly not the next film i mean i guess that we'll play a clip for very different than Along Came Polly. Is it, though? <laughs> and that film's Capote. The film, oh, yeah. Sorry. The film that got Philip Zimmerhoff in his Oscar. And that's obviously nominated a lot here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, a, and understandably a, so. Understandably so, exactly. I mean, it got him the Acad- first Academy Award nomination. Uh, first and only win... So let's play a clip from our Capote episode with, once again, John Harden. Yes, John Harden. Yes. John, what did you think of his performance overall? I thought it was interesting. I, I, I'm always intrigued by 
I, especially with the case of, of Truman Capote, about whom I don't know very much. I mean, I, I know some of his short stories and I'm familiar with, for example, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and I have seen that film, and I know how that film differs from the story, but I don't know that much about him. So, f- for example, the, the verisimilitude of the performance didn't make any impression on me sure. one way or another. Um, it didn't worry me. I felt a little bit thrown at the beginning of the movie watching him. I'm always a little bit thrown when people put on a voice yeah. um, for a role. But I f- my, my general feeling when watching a performance like that is to see how I feel half an hour in once I've gotten a chance to get used to it. You know, yes. um, I've been thinking a lot lately about how a performance is very much that there are more analogies between sports and acting than I had previously realized. For example, not to get too deep into this as a distraction, but when you're dealing with football, very often you can have a certain strategy or a certain approach that is working very well in the first half, but the excellence of your team proves itself when you make adjustments in the third quarter and are able to close out games in the fourth quarter. It's about that consistency of excellence. Mm-hmm. Right? And Something an actor, you would know about being a Patriot fan. Exactly. Thank you. Yes, wonderful team. <laughs> Though it's sort of mediocre and lucky this year, but we'll let that pass. Oh, so boo, not gonna get into, we got into it a bunch. We're not going to get into it. Yeah, this, this is not the place for that. But, but what, I'm, no, what I'm getting at is what's interesting to me is watching, and I've become more aware of this the, the older I've gotten, how a performance can be interesting for about 10 minutes, but where you really prove yourself is two hours in, am I still enjoying watching this? Has it begun to grate? Right? Am I getting tired of it? Is it one note? That, In other words, that's really the issue with one note. It's not that it's never interesting. Mm. It's, is it still interesting 40 minutes in? And I found that I was less and less distracted by his performance and more and more able to get into the story. It didn't take away for me, and that to me says that he did not go too far, um, that he was able to keep the focus where it should be, which oh, is I on agree. telling I, this story. I agree story. with that. Ooh, this, I, this was like, I enjoyed doing this episode so much because this was like almost a true crime yeah. you know, <laughs> episode and just like, the, again, the moment, or like the, where we talk about the apology moment or where we talk about, uh, you know, when he reads the book for the first time it just he he pushes himself and through pushing himself i mean he always does but he pushes himself in in this role and by pushing himself to like the max to like everything he has i think he, he just like pushes the audience as well and i every time i see this movie i'm like in tears or almost in tears and just like feel just profound for 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 Capote. So like that's awesome on his job. And then and then thinking about Phil Summer Hoffman and what he gave to that performance. And again, the body transformation. Yeah, Ben and Miller recently shared some words. Uh, I know you know we, we we posted it on the Facebook page, and it's just great, you know, to just I mean, obviously he's still like talking about the role and just just he said like how crazy it was that he like casted you know phil and just you know whether you want to call them disagree you know argument not arguments but disagreements on just like where the character should go and what he should do but just i mean they just really in the end of the day just made such a terrific movie and both helped create this fantastic character character role and for sure uh a lot of it's like i think a very hipster thing to hate on this movie and hate on that performance 
because we've had a couple guests. I'm not like dissing them, but they're like, oh, you know, that's not my favorite performance of his. Um, I think he deserved an Academy Award for a different one here or there. But I mean, he deserved it for this one. Like, I don't care what people say. Yeah, and that was a fantastic class of nominees. But he was that was his year, and that really propelled him. Yeah. To the next level. I think. I mean, not really, because we knew he was doing the work, but let's just say it propelled him to the next level, where he was in the, the minds... Hollywood. Yeah. He was in living rooms, and he was on the conversation of the average moviegoer. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, uh, you know, it led him into a different stratosphere. You mentioned Bennett Miller, uh, nominated for uh, Hoffy for Best Director Collaborator with him, for not just Capote, but Moneyball. Moneyball, yes. And speaking of directors... Philip Zimmer Hoffman, our guy, got to direct his own film. Yeah, stepped into the director's uh, chair, or sat into the... Stepped, I was going to say director's shoes, and then changed it to chair. <laughs> sat in the director's chair, stepped into Do the Do directors wear shoes. different shoes? Maybe. Fancy director's shoes. I like the directors that wear suits to sets. Your Sam Rammies, I think even like Taika Waititi did it. For, so, so you like like the Wes Anderson-like... Well, that's just like Burgundy you suits. get too into him. Making that, movies. That is stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. He is now the American Express Wes Anderson. <laughs> it's true, true. Uh, but Jacko's boating. Um, it was a play originally from his Labyrinth Theater. Phillips often again, we'll say it a million times, a theater guy at heart. And maybe we weren't the biggest fans of this film. I mean, I really like him in the film. I'm not going to yes. take anything away from his performance. But... And, I, and I think he's a decent director, too. I don't know. There was thing, things that were off. But it's a film I definitely want to give another shot. I'll put it that way. It definitely. We critiqued him as an actor and a director. And, you know, just talked about that with our guest, uh, Joanna Arcieri. And uh, it's definitely a film I'm going to wa- gonna watch again and going to maybe look at it in a different light but listen to that episode and we'll play a little something from uh, uh, from that episode for you right now Jack Goes Boating it's important in the canon of Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah because it's not a good movie <laughs> can I can I be completely honest yeah, like it's, it's an interesting movie for him as an actor and a director particularly because it's the only movie he directed but if we're going to talk about it as strictly a movie it's not a great movie and it's there's times when I, the characterization of that of Jax just seemed like, what is the point of this character? What is is he on the spectrum? Is yeah. he just weird and awkward? How are these people like that in itself is confusing and it makes it weird to watch at times. And and then you just get into. Um, you know, I went back and I actually read some of the play and I was reading it as a play and it's a much better play yeah. than it is a, a movie. And I think that in itself is interesting and it, just goes back to what I was saying before about I assume like, none of us saw the play, right? Okay. No. no. I, I, I mean, I've never really seen that many plays. A to play. Yeah. Begin. I've never seen <laughs> a play. I like the play, but... What is the play? It, I can't... I, that, I was just going to say, I'm glad you read into it you should maybe host this show. <laughs> but I can't see this being a good play it coming was... from the movie. But but everyone says it's great, and I believe them, obviously. But it was... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, going yeah, backwards this... that way? So we mentioned this last week, and I think we even mentioned it a lot on this episode. Would have loved to see what Philip Schumerhoff and 
would do again as a director. Yeah. If he if he had the opportunity to make another movie. Yeah, and I uh, I mean now, I mean I was I've been a fan for such a long time and I mean I knew he did plays. I guess it just comes from my world of not being a big, you know, not being a big theater guy, but I, I would so love to go see and it's not, you know, like I mean, you know, it's not like he's you know, like you're gonna see him direct the play or something like that, but you're gonna get to see, <laughs> but like, but you'll get to see just another yeah. You don't see bran- him direct a movie either. Just the but... tree that is Philip Seymour Hoffman, and uh, so that would be that would have been really cool too. I think there could have been some fun projects down the road that he would have uh, directed. It's unfortunate, you know, we lost a great artist here, and I say artist because we didn't just lose a great actor. You know, we lost a master. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Not the best one, but okay. No, but we we lost somebody who was a threat in a lot of uh, a lot of artistic fields because I would like to see him, you know, maybe as a writer too. Yeah. Oh, that would be that would be cool. And your attempt at a segue was correct, Kyle. It was a success. If we saw him direct in this, Jacko's boating. Mm-hmm. There's a f- you know the last collaboration with arguably, and I'm not saying I voted for this guy. But arguably, his most pro- at least his most prolific, but his best director collaborator. I mean, if this the, and Paul I, Thomas Anderson. I, I'm not saying that I voted for it, but come on, like Phil Schoenhoffen with P.T. Anderson is up there with your like De Niro, Scorsese, like that that one two actor director. Yeah, I mean, I I can't argue with that, and. This might be a category that might be our most runaway category, you know? Might be the most runaway category. Or, or could shock us. Yeah. We'll see. But the master, the final collaboration. Vote for Francis Lawrence. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Francis be- Lawrence is the director of Hunger Games, another yeah. another uh, prolific working relationship with Hoffman, kind of. But eh. P.T. Anderson, the master. Yes. Now, this is a movie you really back. Another controversial film, but a movie we know you love. And if you listen to that episode of The Master, you just ooze with that love. And uh, Dan Kim. Dan Kim. He was our guest that day, a uh, fr- photographer. Our old friend from high school and photographer and just lover of The Master. And so, uh, so let's play a clip from that episode. Yes. It's a process of dehypnotization. Yeah, dehypnotization. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, that's a very, the whole hypnotization yeah. thing is very Scientology. I mean, he, Christopher Evan Welch's character, he came out basically challenging Lancaster Dodd's belief. He's like, oh, this is, you know, you have all these people following you with just your, your, your single belief, and it's like the basis of a cult. He's basically challenged in front of his audience for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, he actually did have a point. Like, it's like, you, your your beliefs has no, like, scientific basis. But, yeah, he's saying he but can it's, cure it's, cancer. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, you can, you're, you can cure leukemia. Yeah, forms you know? of le- He's like, some forms. <laughs> yeah. like, a a yeah. war a trillion years in the making. But, but the <laughs> beauty of that scene is, is like, like, um, Christopher Evan Welch's point is, is come across so insecurely. Yeah. Like, with lacking so much confidence that... You know, when you're watching, it's like, oh, like, who, who gives a shit? Like, Lancaster Dodd kind of, like, comes back and him so strong. Like, yeah. He's winning, but then yeah. he kind of, he loses that f- scene by <clears throat> having that, like, because everyone's face after that is just like... When he uh, says pig fuck. Yeah. But, I mean, he loses his temper, and I don't think he lost the argument with, with him, but no? I think he lost the connection with this... With, with his, that, uh, yeah. With yeah, his, because uh, he doesn't followers. see, you know, that's what I'm saying, he's not, like, the perfect bullshit artist. Yeah. Because he's... He doesn't seem holier 
than thou, and I mean that in a positive way, when you say pig fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's hard, like, to respect somebody who's just going to just say, in that kind of way. Right. You know, because yeah. he presents himself as, like, an enlightened person, mm-hmm. someone who knows the answers. Right. And then he's prodded by this guy and yeah, just says, just, big fuck, you know, like... Yeah. Just crumbled in front fuck. of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, any one of us might, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's supposed to, he's supposed to be better than that. The Master, I mean, if you go on our Facebook page and you vote for the Hoffies, you'll see Kyle's love of the Master just populate many categories here. Many categories. And there's nothing wrong with that, because you know what? I've taken a look at the early early voting, and it's doing fairly well oh, in a lot of don't places. Don't let that sway it. I'm not trying to... You know, it shouldn't. No, yeah. It shouldn't sway, and you could vote early. Yeah. Vote right before our award show. I hope not, but, because then I'll be counting to the last minute. Yeah. But vote as many times as you want. This is not like the American election. You are allowed to stuff the ballots. <laughs> you know, you are allowed to just... It's like... You mentioned Scorsese before. You ever see that scene, of course, in Gangs in New York, where they're like, they have a guy with a beard vote, and yeah, they, they shave him, and they make yeah. him go back to the ballot. We allow that, guys. Run in the last <laughs> minute into Gold Sounds and be like, wait, yeah, one more, <laughs> one you know. More. We, we take ballots <laughs> up until we yeah. announce the awards. Yeah. So but you have to be dressed like turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. Of Fair. The century, but but <laughs> just vote, vote, vote. Vote, vote, vote. Like, keep voting, because we, we want, like, so many votes. And we want... We're doing this so we can honor the legacy of this great actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And revisit that Master episode, and watch the Master, and watch the Back Beyond, which we posted for Act 3 recap uh, clip, because that is just a treasure trove of awesomeness for that film. And for our fans who didn't hear last week's episode, listen to it, as you mentioned. Yes. But Back Beyond is... It's just like a great uh, montage, kind of sh- almost like short film in a way, of unused clips, uh, well, scenes, shots, alternate takes, uh, some really like, and then like with, you know, like they take dialogue from other scenes and have it used while like shots from like totally later in the film happen. It's just this really, and then Johnny Greenwood, again, amazing music is played underneath it. Uh, so it's just a really fun companion piece to the film, and I, I can't get enough of it. It's just like, I don't know, it's something I like to watch pretty you, frequently. <laughs> you're a big Lancaster Dodd fan. And Freddie Quell. You would, you would have joined. The cause. I yeah, the cause. I think so. I'm a big... I'm I a, think so. It's not that I'm a big... I'm not like, wow, this guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm like, wow, Phil Schumer Hoffman <laughs> is just like, shouldn't have lost a freaking Christoph Waltz for Django Unchained. <laughs> so you're a big Christoph Waltz fan. Uh, he's good, but he played a good version, a nice guy version of like his character, Hans Landa, which he won Best Supporting Actor for like two or three years before that so it was just you know what's you know what's funny um that is a side note but like i, I can't his name is skipping my brain right now but the snl actor who does the christoph waltz i think he does a pretty good christoph waltz oh yeah i'm not, I'm not good with the modern day uh but i was SNL gonna say cast, do you think you could do a christoph waltz avocado that's not like christoph waltz thing. that's i'm no, i'm totally forgetting who oh well, I'm gonna plug like another uh, podcast right now. But 
You made a weird Pete Holmes, great podcast. I love it. Josh Rubin episode. Josh Rubin, great comedian, does an ama- he does the best Christoph Waltz I've ever heard. And that was his. He was like the, people always say you hear like you just figure out a way to say a certain word. And his was like once he said avocado, just like <laughs> just a nice ripe avocado. Yes, but so. no offense to Christoph Waltz, Phil Tumor Hoffman. Yeah, should have beat your ass. I'm sorry. In 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 an award sense, not physically. No, no, that would not have been nice. But he could have. I think so. <laughs> Our guy Hoffman's an athlete, you know. Yeah. Christoph Waltz, like he he talks a big game. But he's I would have. Did he ever play like a like a like I would have liked to have seen you know seen him in like a real like brawling. He fights Tom Cruise in MI3. Toward, yeah, and that's when he was I th- arguably in his best shape. Yeah, so that but like cool. it would you know he was a little too sluggish towards. He the end, plays I think. tough guys in movies, but he's rarely like then like even like I mean like him being like the working class Philadelphia guy in. Uh, yeah, he's never like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. You know? No, but it would it would have been cool to see him as like you know again since he's a mentor like a boxing uh, coach or a wrestling coach of some sort. Yeah, and I which think would have worked in Fox. That's what I was just gonna say. I think we mentioned that when we were talking uh, on the Bennett one of the yeah. Bennett Miller films that he would have been awesome in Foxcatcher. But Mark Ruffalo was really good. If no, I'm just thinking saying. of like a role that he might have. Yeah, but he could have played Carell's. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, like he, you know, Bennett Miller, like made him into Capote. You know, yeah. no one would ever have guessed that. Indeed. So I think he would have done a great job in Foxcatcher. Speaking of catching, that's a Kyle transition. <laughs> that was all you, sir. Don't put it on me. <laughs> but I wasn't going to say that transition. I was just trying to do my the little Kyle. mock me, <laughs> mocking Jamie. Mm-hmm. Wrong movie, but it's Catching Fire. The Hunger catching Games Fire, movie. Hunger Games. Now he's in three Hunger Games films. This is our. This is this is the first one he's in, and. I think it's fair to say. I mean, well, no. It, both Brian and I agree that this is the best one. I think in the series, but definitely of the three that he's. In. Yeah, certainly our favorite. And we had a guest, Kara Gale O'Regan. Yes, a K- family member of the Cage Club. Yes, Cage Club family. Mm-hmm. One of the hosts of Wistful Thinking. Yes. And uh, let's play a clip from that episode. What did you guys think of that initial meeting between those between Katniss and Plutarch? Um, I mean, it definitely, I also, at least for this viewing, knew, you know, where his character arc goes. Um, but, I, like, you definitely sense that, like, there's something else going on. Like, this, I, and I think also his character as a game designer or whatever, like, that his, every every word that comes out of his mouth is very purposeful and very designed in a way to evoke some sort of response from whomever he's speaking to um so like i i definitely get the sense that like oh there's something else going on here but you can't quite put a finger on it yet yeah i i agree with that i wasn't like i mean i kind of knew where it was going but For me, it wasn't so much like, oh, he's definitely, you know, he's definitely on Katniss's team. It was more, I was thinking, well, whose side is he really on? And I I don't know the ending. Like, he could betray Katniss in the end. Everyone who's seen The Hunger Games is probably laughing at me. But, but like, like to me, like, I don't know, like, what side he's on. It's almost like, like, how they try to portray the characters in in Game of Thrones, where it's, sometimes they could be good, sometimes they could be bad. Because then he has the whole... My my thing, what, what I was thinking was, all right, what's his end game here? Like, I didn't know there was going to be a whole 
revolution at the end. I was like, who's going to die? I thought Pita was going to die because I'm like, somebody has to win this Hunger Game. I don't, they're not going to end it the same way. That would be a very bad book and a very bad movie. Like, <laughs> I just needed to do it one more time. <laughs> so our, that's our final, our final, I guess, first franchise, kind of, for Hoffman. Like you said, he was in MI3, but he was only in that one. Yeah. Um, first kind of like carrying roles things. I guess the next Hunger Games, the next two are his only sequels? Like that where he f- a character followed through to the sequel? Yeah. Right? There's no yeah. Along Came Polly 2. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing. Uh, nope. Empire Falls, technically. Uh, it's like in the same universe, maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So that's uh, that's... It was an important moment in his life, and it's a shame that we couldn't see him in more movies like this. I was a little worried watching these films. I was afraid like he was just going to like play some stupid bit character in a franchise. Yeah, I mean, also we were kind of past, you know, the the. I mean, at least the 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 term young adult, like all those, like started coming out post our teen years. So I mean, there were movies I saw at the for the age group that they're made for, but these were some, you know, well-made movies. Uh, and I mean, he did a, he did a good job, you know, played the mentor role also mentor and political. So like, yeah, a little, a little little bit of both. both. Um, Jennifer Lawrence gets some nominations here. Another reteaming with a couple, like also then Donald Sutherland again. And then, uh, um, yeah. And again, they, they didn't share a scene in the previous cold mountain. Another, another film, which a great Hoffman film that we didn't get to chat about today. Yeah. Cold mountain, cold mountain. And of course, reteaming with Julianne Moore, Boogie Nights and Magnolia and uh, B- uh, Big Lebowski, but they don't share a scene in that together. Yeah. So, uh, but a huge Hoffman collaborator, and she's nominated. Yes, just a terrific. One of the one of the great actresses, uh, you know, that we've discussed. I mean, he he worked with so many so many phenomenal act. We'll call them all actors, but specifically female actors, actresses. Like they, like he he collaborated. More, more frequently, uh, you know, with I mean, Catherine Keener, Meryl Streep. Well, yeah, didn't re, re- uh, Amy, uh, Amy Adams. He worked with a lot of great women. Yes, for sure. And you know, he played off them so well. And he he was. They were all blessed to work with him, like all the actors who've mm-hmm. worked with him. But he was also blessed to work with some great casts and yeah. some great people. And we try to acknowledge those in our Hoffie Awards, for sure. Well, Kyle, are you ready to finally get into the nitty-gritty? The nitty-gritty. Literally, you know, of the under-lip variety. Or, or I <laughs> over, guess over-lip, over yeah. <laughs> Under-nose, over-lip. That strip of hair that some men have. Yes. But you can't count it if it's with a beard, too. No. We're talking about favorite Hoffman mustache. And we couldn't nominate every Hoffman mustache, because honestly, he has a mustache in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. But, so we picked our favorite Hoffman mustaches for the nominees. And let's do a breakdown right now. And you can see pictures of them if you go onto our Facebook page and click on the uh, Vote Awards yes. thing. And So the first one we nominated was Cochrane. For mo- and money for nothing. You want to break down that mustache? Think of it like uh, like sports. This is like the pregame of well, like football, but like mustache. Well, voting. Brian, let me tell you. Above the lip is this great 
let's call it an orange wisp of hair <laughs> that looks like maybe he just enjoyed a couple of puffy Cheetos. Ooh. <laughs> so Cochran, if any of you saw Money for Nothing, but and if you didn't, I guess watch it, but more importantly, listen to the episode about it. He's like a longshoreman on the Philadelphia docks, and it's a very appropriate mustache for that, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah, play, played that role very well. The next nominee is Gust from Charlie Wilson's War. Now, that's a mustache. That is one doozy of a mustache. I mean, that is just a pure, well... I can go certain places with that mustache. <laughs> I don't know what places you were going to go. Were you going to say Greek? or? <laughs> yeah. Looks like you can get some nice feta cheese stuck in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's like, it's like thick and it's it's not quite walrusy. No, but it's got the nice like over the lip, you know. Over the lip and there's like depth to it, you know. It's like, it's straight lines. A and- good bushel. Yeah, you could you could put like a yeah, your, a fingernail in there, you know, Ooh. like you could fit like. <laughs> Next mustache we nominated Lester Bangs, almost famous. Let me just tell you, that's rock and roll right there. That yes, is pure, just like fuck off. I a hundred percent. That is that is a fuck you mustache. <laughs> you know, that's like, and it works well with his Lester Bangs hair too. Yeah, with his bangs. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got like a, he's got a wispy half yeah. bang kind of thing, but that mustache is like, like badass, like rock and roll, like I don't care what you think of me. This yeah. is my opinion. Kyle, we're gonna get to one of your favorites now, Lancaster Dodd, filthy boy. <laughs> that mustache is like creepy and it's like creepy, but it's like authoritarian too. Power yeah, authority. Yeah. Like, he's the leader, and it's when he laughs with that mustache, and when he, like, smiles, it's yeah, Ooh. creepy. There's something under there that, and it's not just his lips. It's, mis- it's mischievous. Yes, it's mischievous yes. in a way. And the last nominee, uh... Oh, Dan Mahoney. Dan Mahoney, yeah, our Canadian mustache. Yeah, it's just, like, a nice mustache. little glaze of, like, maple syrup or something, I don't know. Yeah, there's a nice blonde mustache. Yeah, it really complements the wide-frame glasses... <laughs> It, it's it's really perfect for yeah. the film. Yeah, I just I just feel like I want to go to Jim Hortons and eat like a donut and a cat. <laughs> Jim Hortons, Tim Hortons. Oh, well, I'm not Canadian. <laughs> Timmy Hoes. Yeah, Timmy Hoes. I mean, the hair again, Tim, like Jim. you said. Yeah. <laughs> so those are our, our mustache nominations. If you feel like there was a mustache we left out, please comment. Maybe we'll add it. I doubt it, but please comment. We want to know. We'll definitely mention it. This is going to be a hotly contested, hotly contested award. I think. Glad I could add it to the ever so. You know. The pantheon of all these great nominations yes. and all these great awards that we'll be giving out again on April twenty first, Saturday, at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn. Yeah, show up at two. The awards are probably going to run from. Three to four thirty. Yeah, but sh- show up early so you could mingle with us a little bit and, yeah. and hang out with us after. It's at a bar, people. Nothing. Yeah, grab a drink in the front. Come to the back. Some we, good old we, day drink. We want to hear from you, and we'll be hanging out a little bit after at the venue if you want to just chat with us, chat yeah. Hoffman or film or punch Kyle in the face, whatever. Shave a mustache or two. <laughs> Kyle has promised to shave the nope. mustache part no, I off of his beard. No, I have. <laughs> in honor of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I will do so many work. other things. And he honor. will be donating the mustache. <laughs> the, 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 the must- <laughs> my beard hair to, <laughs> <laughs> to mustaches for love. 
I'm sorry. No. <laughs> wow. Okay. I guess you don't care about the the Hoffman don't mustache category. Pull this card. <laughs> don't try that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of no. course. So, uh, I mean, I hope you enjoyed some of these clips. Again, we could, you know, talk about so many other films, but go back, uh, listen to some of the episodes. If you're, if you're between two categories here, or between two choices, I should say. Listen to the episode, some of the visual ones. You might want to watch the movies again or, or YouTube it. Mm-hmm. And But definitely vote. Pick something. And if you don't live in the New York area and you can't make it out to our show, that's that's the way that you can have impact. That'd be great, yeah. Impact that way and just, I mean, even private messages. And if there's, I don't know, if there's something that you would like to say, maybe we can, if you guys... Uh, Right, on, on this episode, if you want to comment, maybe we'll read some of those comments. Yeah, we might read some comments, yeah. and hey, if you show up, uh, we might pick one or two lucky fans. and So lucky, ever so lucky. <laughs> and let them share a word about Phil. I mean, that would be... Yeah. It, it's a, really about celebrating the life of Philip Seymour Hoffman and his legacy, and again, I, I feel so humbled yeah. and honored to have watched all these films, and just to have... We were around for a true you know a true artist's like lifetime yeah it was cut too short but it was in our lifetime in terms of his body of work it's just a legacy we've really tried to honor with this podcast and this live event will be a nice uh yeah it'll be a nice chance to maybe put a put a little bow on it and it, it, it it's a it's a celebration you know and the end of the day it's a celebration, and we want you to be there. And if you're not there, you can just listen the following Wednesday when we release the episode. But yeah, you but, know, and but more importantly, again, like yes, we ask you to listen and listen to all the great shows on Cage Club, not just the Hoffman ones, but go back and watch his films. Like, if anyone's not familiar with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and sadly, there's probably going to be a day where the next generation comes up and they might not know him as much as we know him, because frankly, they didn't live. In the time that he was acting, yeah, go back, rewatch them, you know, revisit them, and or, share the or, movies. Yeah, share, yeah, yeah, tell people. Like, I, I really, I, I've said it uh, for a bunch of films, but specifically a late quartet, uh, you know, fantastic film in you know the third like act of his career. It was a film that neither of us had ever seen, and I can't say enough great things about it. And it's a film that I've really tried to uh, tell people to watch. I, you know, tell people to watch plenty of his films, but that was just one that really struck me, especially since I had never seen it. And so that, that's that, that's what we're hoping for is just you know the good gospel of the you know of PSH and hope you all can uh, make it in uh, physical or spiritual sense for this live event. Yeah, definitely, you know, come out or spiritually come out. Yes. <laughs> and stay on cool. Definitely stay on cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I believe in miracles. Since you came along.